Okay, hello everyone, it's Dashian Miller, and we're here with episode 132 of Kuden Podcast. Hey, I have a quick question for you. Um, what do you think it'd be like if either, one of two things, right, either every grade level, right, from kindergarten, first grade up, every grade level, we had to be reminded about or relearn or learn a different set of like alphabet and ways of spelling and all that kind of stuff, right? Or we would uh, expect that, let's say, a first grader uh, could do a, uh, a a term paper on, um, I don't know, Catcher in the Rye or something like that. Anyway, we'll talk about that because that's based on one of the questions that came in. Um, for tonight's episode. So I'll be right back with you as soon as we do the intro. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Real training for real people in a real world. I've been using that slogan for a long, long time. That and the one for the Academy, which is master yourself, master your life, right? Anyway, so uh, what was my question again? Oh, I know. Um, so uh, a question came in for tonight's uh, podcast. Uh, I don't know if it came in just because somebody had a question about it uh, and it just came out or uh, at least one person took me seriously that if no questions came in, I wouldn't have a backup topic. And so this would be the shortest episode of Kuden ever. Right. So um, there'd be the intro. I'd say, well, no questions. And then the outro. And uh, I don't know, maybe James and I would have a meeting anyway. All right. So. Uh, my question before the intro, for those of you just joining in, right, was uh, what if, right, at every grade level, students had to be retaught the alphabet, right, or they were taught a new alphabet, right, uh, or a new way to spell things or whatever, right, or on the other extreme, right, we expected that first graders could do a uh, could do a whole uh, term paper, right, or a book report or whatever, uh, before they actually learn to identify the letters of the alphabet, spell, read, write, those kind of things, right? Um, what would that look like? Either one, okay? Well, the reason I ask that is because that's like three different camps um, in the training realm for a lot of folks, okay? So, for one one group, right, um, every time they move along, right, they keep hitting a wall, they have to be reminded that, uh, remember the basics, right, remember the basic basics, right? Um, I remember a long time ago, uh, well, a long time ago for me, right, uh, Manaka Shihan, Manaka Shihan, who's now uh, Unsi, right, he heads up the Jinikan. He originally was Hatsumi Sensei's uh, right-hand man, technically, right, until he uh, went his own way and founded the Jinin Khan. 
Um, he uh, had he would always like when he would do leave time uh, away because he was a it was a major. I think he retired as a lieutenant colonel or a current full board, full colonel from the Japan uh, Japanese Air Land Forces, basically Japanese military, right? And so um, he used to always have this this statement, which was which actually became the premise and the foundation for the Ginecon, which was that um, Westerners have really lousy basics, right? Um, and the reason for that is because every time they come for training, people would have to remind them, right? Um, but that would be like, you know, every time you know, in elementary school, every new grade, right? Before you could even do the assignments, before you could even do the next piece, right? You'd have to be reminded, right? What's the alphabet? What's the alphabet, Johnny? What's the alphabet, Susie? Right? Say it, right? Okay, now we're going to make some words and whatnot. No, every level is a progressive level. It's a progression. And it depends on the previous levels, right, and, and our proficiency with the previous levels, right? Our martial arts training, our self-defense training is no different, right? Which leads me to the, the third camp, right, which is those who put minimal effort into learning something, because what they want to do is get the necessary evils out of the way so they can jump ahead, right, and imitate soke, or they can get onto the cool stuff or whatever. When after how many years have I I've been training? Uh, 1980, 90, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coming up on 43 years, right? I found out that the basics um, is the cool stuff, right? Because as Takamatsu-sensei, right, uh, sensei's teacher, used to always say that you don't need any more than the kionapo. Now, that being said, right, this is not just eight techniques, right? This is understanding the principal concept behind the kionapo and what drives it, but also that these models are made up of these kiono kion fundamentals of the fundamentals, right, that make these models that are then your springboard to all this other stuff, right? Of course, nobody wants to hear that stuff either. But, right, that third camp, right, I know I mentioned first camp and I mentioned third camp. I'll come back to the guys in number two. Um, they're probably not on the uh, podcast anyway. So, um, but third camp is we're just going to springboard right over like, yeah, 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 alphabet. I got that. Okay, so, um, oh, okay, I can spell C-A-T and I can spell D-O-G and all that. So now uh, I'm going to be able to read a full book, comprehend it, and do a book report on it so that in a way that other people can understand the whole idea behind it and what I learned from it, right? Um, that's people that, you know, they just enough, right? And then what they want to do is just they want to go from here to, like, way up, right? They want to go way, way high as quickly as possible, um, because, you know, they want to be Hatsumi Sensei or they want to be the, the Dai Shihan or whatever. But what they're really doing is ignoring the process that got the people that they're emulating or wanting to imitate, right, from point A to point Z, right, way past point Z. Anyway, so, oh, yeah, what about the guys at number two, right? Because remember I said, what if you had to relearn the basics at every grade, right, or be reminded, Right. Or um, you 
were taught a different set of basics, a different alphabet, a different language, a different way to read and write, right, at every grade level, right? Well, that's like people that um, get a basic proficiency in the fundamentals, right, and then get bored, right, because everything starts to look the same. Everything looks the same without the right understanding, right? And then what they do is they jump to another art or another system or another teacher or whatever, right? Because in the beginning, you got all these big, le big, big lessons, right? But as you move along, the lessons get smaller and smaller and smaller. But the difference is that the big lessons in the beginning, it's about that lesson, right? How do I do this technique? Step by step, hand goes here, foot goes here, that kind of thing, right? The lesson is or the technique is the lesson. Right. So it's big. Right. But the more of those that you get, of course, things start to look the same. But what you start to realize is that they're all connected. Or they're all using the same elements just in a different way. Right. So in the beginning, the technique is the lesson. Later on, that little tiny little nugget of a lesson. Right. I go to Japan and, you know, what, 35, 40 hours of training in a two-week two period, and um, I may pick up half a dozen new little things, right, or little nuances or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But each of those little things affects 90% of everything that I do, okay? It's very, very different, right? But if we keep jumping around, right, what ends up happening is we feel like we're learning more and more and more things. But what we're doing is we're learning more alphabets. We're learning more base. We, we stay a perpetual beginner, right? So it's very, very different, right? Very different. So, Sensei, I thought you weren't coming up with a topic for this one. I didn't. Somebody sent in, right? So I got a, I got a question from Richard, um, one of the guys in one of my programs. Um, and so uh, he sent this question in today uh, that, uh, let's see, what is the grading format for your online students? Okay. So I thought I'd cover this two different ways uh, so that everybody would understand it, right? Um, but the short answer is the grading format for my online students is no different than the grading format for my dojo students, okay? Um, the requirements are the same. The standards are the same. What's different is the distance and how we might have to set things up, right? So my long distance guys, um, they tend to do video reviews for the most part, right? That, that may be changing here pretty soon uh, because there's the, the system, right, um, is a little bit clunky because they have to, like, shoot the, the video and then they have to upload it and then uh, I have to download it and I have to look at it and take notes and things like that. And then if I need to see something else, that gets added to their uh, their feedback uh, sheet that gets sent back to them and then they work on that, whatever, right? So what we're probably going to do um, here going into 2023 is maximize the use of Zoom or something like that um, to make it more personal, like we're in the same space, like they're actually demonstrating the technique in front of me, right? Because they would be, right? 
So um, the cool thing about technology as we move forward is it's taking away more and more excuses from people like, you know, dojo training uh, is best because the teacher's right there. You know, the teacher's not inside your body. So what's the difference between a teacher looking through a little window at what you're doing and making corrections other than I, I still won't have the ability to come over and grab parts of your body, yank you into position if you're not comprehending the words that are coming out of my mouth. Right. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's better than no training at all. Right. So um, we're going to make a, we're going to make that little tweak. Um, but that being said. Right. So the format is uh, like the testing format is you get these um, testing outlines that uh, are emailed to you and then you shoot these short little videos. Don't do a whole like. 15, 20, 30 minute video because it takes me three times the amount of whatever length of yours. That's not because I'm a slow learner, right? It's because I have to go back, review, whatever, right? Type out the feedback, go look at things again, whatever, right? Um, takes me three times the amount of time to review something than it took for you to shoot it, right? So, uh, again, you know, uh, so anyway, the little clips, right? So you get these little testing uh, outlines, and then you send the review video that includes what I asked for, right? Um, everyone, especially those who uh, have trained in the past, and I don't care if it's, um, you know, Bujinkan, Jinkan, Genbukan, some other martial arts style, some other self-defense uh, system, whatever, there are certain things that I'm going to want to see, like right out of the gate. Um, so there's a there's a kind of a I hate the term onboarding, but there's a there's a initial baseline review, right? Show me these kind of things, right? And they're very very general, just so I can see where somebody is skill wise, balance wise, uh, how they move their body, that kind of thing, right? Um, and please don't send me anything that I've been training in the Khan for like 40,000 years and I'm underranked and I just want to know if you can help me get my black belt. Sure I can. But you're going to go through the same review process. It may not take, might not take the same amount of time, but you're going to show me what I require for my showdowns. If you're just looking to get rank, then find somebody else who will just Get your rank, right? They'll, you know, they'll process it, get their little split on the testing fees uh, or however that works and, you know, go about go about their business, right? Uh, but all of my students, regardless of where they came from, what they're doing, uh, how many black belt levels they have in some other martial art or whatever, um, all have the same standards. They all have demonstrated proficiency in certain uh, certain techniques at different levels and, and things like that so that um, so that I know that they know right so when we're working on the next level right just like grade school right that next level presumes that they're already proficient at the things leading up to that if I just toss somebody in and said oh yeah you've been around for a long time uh, here now you're an eighth don right okay now we're going to work on ninth don stuff um, and then you're you know, you can't do 75% of it because um, nobody ever held you accountable to doing these specific skills or they let you slide on certain things or whatever. Okay. 
in all in all frankness, I'm not going to care. Okay, I can only care as much as somebody else does. But here's the way it really works, right? There's there's two perspectives you can take on your training, right? You can be skill proficiency centric. So rank is a reflection of that based on the curricula you're working through that a specific or a particular teacher or group of teachers designed. And so that's your, your litmus test, right? But what that does is when a teacher looks at you or says, you know, what rank are you or whatever, right? And you tell them, sorry, I got this sinus headache going and maybe I'm getting a sneeze coming on or whatever. So, um, anyway, um, they know what you should have learned, where you should be and what you should need to do next, right? Okay, so you're either skill or skill proficiency centric, right? That's where your perspective is. It, what that really means is rank doesn't matter. It's not important to me. It's important that my teacher knows where I am and at a glance, looking across the room, looking across the dojo or on a review or whatever, they already know, right, where I am, how to explain techniques to me, how to challenge me for the next piece or to give me the next step or whatever, right? So they don't. So I don't speak below somebody's level and I don't speak over their level, right? So that's one perspective. The other perspective is that the person is rank, um, they're rank centric, right? Okay. So what they're going to do is they're going to find the path of least resistant, least resistance to get to the number grade that they want or that they believe they deserve or whatever. Okay. So okay. I tend to focus on number one, right? Skill proficiency uh, centric people. Uh, they're going to get rank, right? They're going to get rank, right? But if somebody's rank centric, what I found is that they'll train just long enough to get the rank that they wanted and then they fade away, right? Or they will train less and less and less and life gets in the way more and more and more. And then their reason for not training uh, is whatever they've allowed to creep in because they got what they wanted, okay? I'm not saying that they meant to do any harm. I'm not saying that they knew that that's what was happening or whatever. But it's just it's, it's the way it works. Right. Um, I, I spoke about this during a, a previous Kuden where we were talking about uh, people's proficiency or success or whatever bottlenecking at their lowest common denominator. Right. Out of those three areas for success. Right. We have our skills. We have our character traits and we have our beliefs. Whichever of those needs the most work or whichever of those um, is the least common denominator, that's your ceiling for success. It doesn't matter if you know, my my character traits, right, I'm a hard worker and I'm focused and I'm dedicated and all that kind of stuff, right? And it doesn't matter if I believe that I have the ability to get to a really, really high rank, right? If I have a crap curriculum or i you know, my skill set is wanting. I'm only going to get so far, right? Unless I get into a group where, you know, you get ranked for having a good heart or whatever. 
but a good heart's not going to save you on the street, right? You can believe that it will, or you can believe that your skill set's going to work, right? Lots of people delude themselves about all kinds of things every single day, right? But anyway, right? So again, if my skill set's really, really high, a lot of people, they, they, they want to be an instructor, right? They, they want to start a dojo and all that kind of stuff, right? But, um, you know, what they're resting on is the fact that uh, their uh, martial arts skills are really, really high. They know a lot, right? Character traits, right? right? You know, I'm dedicated and I really care about, like, teaching students and whatever, right? And I believe that a certain rank, you know, I can be a teacher and I can be a really good teacher and all that kind of stuff. Great. Um, let's go and revisit skill sets, right? Um, what's your business ability or your ability to manage finances and, you know, what's your, what's your ability to uh, create um, pieces, uh, what we're going to call marketing pieces, right? I don't care if it's social post or whatever that, uh, you know, doesn't like, hey, let's get our Nijutsu on or let's get our self-defense on or what had somebody that actually I used to see their post and I'm like, the hell does that mean to somebody who might even be looking for that? What does that mean? Right? Most people speak to themselves, right? Or speak as though everybody should be where they are in their head, desire level and whatnot, or have any freaking idea what they're talking about. Right? But they don't, right? Which is why dojo and or training groups and or whatever come and go like the wind. Right. Because there's a whole other skill set that's needed to run a dojo. Right. Or to recruit students to be able to attract them because your student centric. Right. What are they looking for? What is it that we have and how do I communicate that in the way that says to them? Where they are in their head, that this is what you're looking for, other than going, <laughs> ninjutsu's best, man. This is what you should be doing. Right? right? What problem are they trying to solve? Right? What problem were you trying to solve when you got involved in martial arts? Right? Maybe you can't, you don't even know what that is anymore because it's been so long. But I can tell you a handful off the top of my head. Some people, it's about self-defense, right? They're worried about shit coming at them because they've either witnessed it or experienced it or whatever and they need to make sure that's taken care of. Other ones, there's a subset of that that want to learn because they feel responsible for this new family they've created or uh, they want to be the guy, right? A lot of those people end up going into law enforcement or military or whatever because they have that protector gene, so to speak, right? And they don't want to wing it, right? But there's a whole lot of a whole lot of other people that get involved in martial arts because they like Asian things, right? They uh, uh, they have an inferiority complex and what they saw in the movies, right? Yeah, they want to be that guy, right? But the look in their eyes is like you know the kid in the candy store, yeah, yeah, okay. That it's not about really surviving things. They want to be the guy that just wipes the floor with everybody else. So maybe they were bullied or again insecurity, whatever. Right. Some people, it's a fear motivator. Right. They don't have anything else going for them and they're afraid of what other people think about them 
or would think about them if they, you know, if they don't do something, right? So it's like the Rocky mentality, the boxers and stuff, right? Um, uh, Marciano, um, how was his name? Anyway, right, last name was Marciano, one of these boxers, right, uh, used to say that um, boxing champions come from the poor, right? They've got nothing else going for them and stuff like that. And, and But what they have is heart and determination, and they're fighting for existence anyway. So if you look at most boxing champions, right, that's the area they come from. Right? I, I wouldn't say that every, but a high proportion of law enforcement, security, um, often military, and martial artists, ones that stuck around for a long time, right, came from a violent background one way or the other, okay? Not my belief, right? Uh, this is a statistical kind of thing, and I, I don't know what the number is at the moment. Anyway, right, so, again, it depends on what people are looking for. So, um, but the short answer to Richard's question was um, the standards are the same. The format is, I mean, once you hit black belt levels, you have to come in. If you come in uh, for seminars and our, our yearly camps and whatnot, then I'm already looking at you in real time uh, during that anyway. Up to this point, we have not scheduled separate testing uh, time slots, but that may be coming um, in the future as well. Now, that being said, the second part of this was I was going to, again, fits the format thing because it was a very simple question. And it can be translated many different ways. I know, not in Richard's head, because he was thinking about a, a, a specific thing. When I read it, right, I have a very multiplistic mind, right? So it can be translated multiple different ways. So format, uh, to me, can also mean uh, what's my path going to be like, right? So uh, I borrowed a format, a training format, a curriculum format from a previous teacher that I had worked with for years, and I was actually a part of uh, their teaching guild, right? We had this Marishi uh, Kai uh, Teachers Guild, right? So uh, we all collectively, right, uh, shared ideas, uh, training drills, and all kinds of things, but we had a unified uh, uh, format, right? We used a a uh, singular curricula, right? And it looked different along the way, but at one point, um, and I, I, I like the logic of it, we saw that people were falling into the first group of, um, of students that, we, that I talked about earlier, right, where they, um, they had to always be reminded about the alphabet. They had to be reminded how to spell cat and dog and 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 the, whatever, so they could do the next level of training. Uh, and that came out of um, the way the one of the iterations of my teacher's curriculum was where, uh, you know, white belt is basically a 10th don, right? Uh, not 10th don, 10th uh, class, right? Juku, right? Most people don't say Juku. People just start as a white belt, and then you have QQ, Hachiku, Nanaku. The Q, the class structure goes backwards. It's like um, it's like algebra, right? They're on the negatives leading up to Shodan, and then the Don levels go forward, right? So Shodan, Nidan, Sandan, one, two, three, four, that kind of, well, actually Shodan doesn't mean one, but that's for another class, right? So everything counts in the order that most people are used to, but the class system, right, Q system, 
um, is 10987 leading toward black belt, right? So, but anyway, um, and we were using the uh, we were using the Godai as a as a framework, right? So we could keep like principles together, right? So uh, ninth to eighth Q was what we were calling basic water, but what we're looking at is this long range defensive angle, right? The Kamai at that level was Ichimonji, Sagan, that kind of thing, right? Um, eight directional rolling, counter strikes, you know, uh, Uke Nagash, that kind of stuff, right? Long range defensive angling to, to, to pull somebody out, right? And um, so then, you know, seventh Q was basic fire, and that was Jumonji. Moving forward, right? Direct committed action, that kind of stuff, leaping, whatever, right? And then that moved up to fifth on. Fifth on was a void level, so it was an assimilation of things, right? Up to that point. And then we revisited the Godai. So, um, uh, fourth Q was uh, intermediate earth. Third was inner. So, right? So, eighth Q, basic water, right? Here's all this stuff, right? Third Q was intermediate. So now, it's still this defensive angling, but the range is shorter, and now things are starting to cross over, so it's not so extreme, right? So not, not such big movement, but there's elements of this fire commitment to it, that kind of stuff, right? Um, vaulting and, and all that kind of stuff, right? What we kept finding was people were, like, zipping through the lower levels, and then they get to that second phase in the queue thing before, you know, on the way to Shodan, and let's say somebody was um, fourth queue, right? And they're working on third queue stuff, right? So now they're not working on uh, Sagan, they're working on this Dokal, no uh, Kamai, right? This uh, Kamai that we worked on a long, long time ago that we had in our, our thing, right? So they're working on that, except that their angling sucks, right? Their timing sucks, their flow sucks, because, well, they put everything into a nice, nice little box, right? So after they graduated out from eighth queue to seventh queue, they stopped working on the eighth queue stuff. So now it's not what it's supposed to be to start working on intermediate stuff, right? So this new iteration, which I kept, right, when I did my own thing, um, was to create modules, right? So there's five modules leading from white belt to first degree black belt, and each of these modules has what used to be the basic and intermediate stuff with kind of a void adaptive element in there, right? So now people are going through three belt levels within the same elements, right, before moving on to the next one. So I can make damn sure that they've worked on it long enough for it to go from here into muscle memory, right? So they don't have to think about that next thing. So when they're in mod, uh, mod one is more of a kind of a introduction to things and whatnot, and it's a sampling of things, right? And the, the real focus on mod one, right, right, that first module, is to make sure that students are able to handle the 95 to 98% of attack types that happen every day here in the West, right? how people punch, how people grab, those kind of things, the most common things so that we can get that stuff out of the way, right? As Ishizuka-sensei likes to say in Japan, you don't need 2,000-year-old secrets to handle basic crap, right? Somebody's just flailing or whatever, right? You don't need that. You do need to be able to handle it, 
but you don't need to be a friggin' need to master to handle what the average attacker throws, right? So that kind of gets that out of the way. And then we start, you know, mod two. And again, all this stuff is in mod one, right? Just not to that extent, right? So when we hit mod two, we take this sampling stuff they had for this long range stuff, right? And then that's what they're focusing on. So they're getting Koto to you, Sega no Kamai, Gyoko to you, Ichimonji no Kamai, and uh, you can call it, I don't even know where it came from. I have it in my notes as Kukishinden, but even Seno Sensei, before he passed, used to say in class, right, when we'd work on Doko, he'd go, we used to work on this thing all the time, or we used to do this all the time. I don't know why Sensei stopped, okay? I don't care, right? But what we end up with in each module is, like in Mod 2, it's this profiled idea, but there's a close, mid, and long-range version, and there's a Kamai that fits close, mid, long-range, right? And then there's strategically, externally and internally, right, the way we think, the way we feel, that kind of stuff, right, comes out of the scrolls. There's a what I would call a hot, so an aggressive, um, a cold, more defensive, and an, it's not really neutral, like you don't feel anything. If you go either way, right, version of that idea. So there's an emotional component to it. There's a psychological strategic component. And there's a physical tactical component to what a student's learning, right? Rolling, all that kind of stuff, right? So students spend more time. They're going through three belt levels in each module, but there's a beginner, intermediate, advanced level for a box of toys, right? For a, a, a strategic idea, principles and concepts and, and what that looks like coming from the different lineages in each module, okay? And then, so what we found is that when people move into mod three, here's the cool thing, right? We, we're now working on like very quick intercepting thing. And for a while, students keep defaulting to this, this non-ame retreating kind of thing. And they go, oh, man, I just, I can't get that. No, 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 no. Okay? What's happening is you worked on that for so long and got good at it that it's in muscle memory that that's, that's there. I now know that that's there and you don't have to think about it. Right? That's the goal of training. Because in a full speed all out fight or attack, you don't have time to be thinking about uh, which come I, which technique, where does my foot go? Um, if you still have to think about that, then you need lots of, lots of training, right? So anyway, they go through these different um, modules. Each module um, is a certain type of tactical approach that comes from the lineages, right? So um, one is this profiled kind of, you know, range kind of thing, stretch somebody out, break their strength, kind of thing and then you know come back in and, and tag them. Most people you know it's basically an Ichimon's you know kata kind of idea, right? And then there's a whole one on this whole intercepting kind of thing. Jumonji, Kosei, Bobi no Kamai, right? This, right? Here's a line. If you cross it, you die, kind of thing, right? Um, there's like, you know, you, you can't wait for this guy to get to you. So you need to preemptively take the fight to him kind of thing. It's a whole other way to do things. Right. Um, and then there's a whole module on this whole side slipping, right? He's stronger. 
uh, got bigger guns, weapons, whatever, right? And I need to, I need to use this, uh, this idea of flanking maneuvers, right? So, um, and then there's a kind of an assimilation model, mod five, or module, not model, module, where the things that could either go in any one of those or don't really fit, right? Um, go there, right? And that's also, uh, mod four and mod five are black belt prep, uh, modules. So that's where combinations start to happen. Punch combinations, kick combinations, those kind of things that get somebody ready for Shodan because Shodan is, is the springboard. Shodan to me is a student showing me that they have a toolbox full of tools. They know what they are and they know how to use them. But they don't, they're not necessarily all that. I mean, they're not super smooth with flow. Timing's a little off, that kind of stuff, but they can make things work, right? Now, toolbox, right? Nidon, for me, is the level where I expect that somebody can use this and nothing else to win a fight or to survive an attack against the average Joe Blow on the street that's going to throw whatever they want, however they want, okay? Um, some of you guys have heard me say this before, and this was based on a discussion with Hatsumi Sensei after he had mentioned something in class one time when I was in Japan. He was describing this thing, but he equates that to eighth or ninth Don based on the way he was promoting people. So do I expect the same at different? If my students are skill and technique proficient or the, the proficiency is that's their mindset, right? They don't care what number is behind that. Right. People that are rank centric, they do care about the number. Okay. So, but if you look across all Japanese martial arts that are going on and what students are able to do at certain levels, um, based on what I've studied, learned, researched and all that, um, I do believe that what I expect for a need on is much closer to what, um, you know, Shotokan or whatever expects. Okay. Techniques are different, but the proficiency level is different. Okay. So anyway, uh, and then black belt levels have their own, uh, curriculum standards, right? To go from Shodan to Nidan, Nidan to Sandan, that kind of thing, right? Um, and every level presupposes that you have learned and developed the skills from the previous box of toys. Okay. Nidan relies on you having the tools that were taught in those things leading up to Shodan. And, but, cause what you're going to be focusing on is timing, distancing, angling, that kind of stuff. And I know everybody, everybody's nodding. Oh, but we learned that way early. Everybody learns it way early. What I expect is that you're able to maintain that under pressure against somebody who's looking to beat, break, or kill you. Okay. It's one thing to be able to do it in a dojo. It's something altogether different when the shit's happening. Right. So, there's that, right? Um, so if somebody, you know, they're having an off day, right? They've got this skill, and I believe that they can do it, but, you know, they're on their way to the friggin' drugstore because they've got the flu, and they're just, their body's just, like, just wants to sleep, right? And they're doing everything they can to move along, right? And that's the day they get jumped. Well, they can fall back on Shodan skill, 
they can at least make it happen even if they're not, you know, super cool ninja guy, right? Sandan, Yondan, all that depend on that flow and all that because we're going to be looking at other things, right? Being able to escape locks, holds, and throws, um, setting him up so he gives you exactly what you need to do the technique to put him where you need him to go, that kind of stuff, right? Same thing I tell teenagers. I've told my teenagers, well, they're out in the world now, but, um, you know, whenever they would think that they knew all their shit, right? Problem between, problem that's going on here is not that we disagree because we have a different perspective. Well, we do have a different perspective, but the problem is you don't think big enough. Most people stop at, I just want to win and I don't want to lose. What the hell does that look like? Right? Where are you? Right? That, that's going to mean something different for a police officer that needs to worry about police brutality charges and all kinds of things, right? And not being able to do just whatever to win, right? It's going to look different for a soldier who can pretty much do anything on the battlefield as long as he's not wiping out innocents, right? Um, and that's going to look different for a civilian, right? So what's the context, right? What rule sets, right? Okay. And again, Rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6, you're going to jail. Because okay? that's just a, for the most people that say that, it's just a BS statement that allows ego to sidestep a really, really freaking important aspect of self-protection. Because if you're not considering that, then my question to you is, who's going to protect the people that you say you're there to protect? when you're in jail or you're in the morgue or you're in the whatever. Okay. And how much money do you have to lose to prove that you were right? Okay. Cost you about $30,000. Even if you were right to prove your innocence, if it goes to trial. On the easy side. I know somebody right now that's going through something, cost them 10 up front. To get to the preliminary hearing, right? Maybe the next one. And if it goes to trial, the retainer just to start to prep for trial is 25 grand. So $35,000 out of the gate. Okay. Again, most people don't think big enough. They come up with their bullshit ideology and they just run from there. And then like somebody who's truly not prepared, like a teenager, becomes adult age and then steps out in the world and then is punched in the face by everything that they never knew about and didn't want to know about because, well, parents are just old and stupid. You know, just like teachers. They don't really understand, right? Anyway, so um, Richard, I hope that answered your question. I don't know if he's on or not. Do you know if he's on, James? He is on? Okay. So, Richard, if I didn't answer the question the way you meant it, uh, feel free to clarify, and um, I'll go from there. So let's make James live here. I mean, he's live. He's, you know, <laughs> put, him in his tiny, put him in his little box down there in the corner. Um, so any other, any other questions come in? Because that was the big one that I wanted to address. And anybody that wants to talk about that more, that might be interested in much, uh, much deeper, um, 
let's see. When we send the email out with the, do we send an email out with a recording or with the link to the recording afterwards? We do that, right? For this? Yeah. Do we do that? Not for this, no. Well, what we'll do then uh, it, on the YouTube version down in the or and I'll do it on the Kuden page as well down in one of the comments or in on YouTube down in the description area. I'll include a link to um, my calendar page on Calendly that you can book a call and we can discuss uh, you know training or whatever. Um, and if nothing else coming out of that, right? Uh, if I know where you are and where your sticking points are or whatever give you some things to to get to the next level regardless of whether we ever work together or not um because i promise you that free call um you you'll get more out of that than a lot of people get out of a year or two or ten of training so anyway and if nothing else you'll get out of it whether or not i'm somebody you want to ever listen to again i'm okay with that too uh, that's something I haven't been nearly as clear about and moving into 2023, that's going to be my, um, one of my biggest focus things to be much more clear about who I can help and the type of student I'm looking for, right? That I know I can help and to be more clear about those that either I can't or don't want to help. And this has nothing to do with personality conflicts. Okay. It has to do with what somebody's looking for. Okay. And again, it just happened what James, you, you filter out my email and stuff like in the last month or two, somebody popped in another another question or whatever. Can you help me get so and so rank or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if that's how you're leading off. Really? Seriously? Huh? That's that speaks volumes. I can't. And they get the same explanation. Right. And then. Most of them just go silent after that. Okay. Yes, I can. Here's my requirements. 98% I never hear from again because they're fishing for somebody that they can use as a conduit to get the rank. And those people don't like me very much at all. And I'm okay with that because... I mean, if you want to, if you if you want to buy rank, at least be honest about it, right? And why seek why seek out somebody like me? Shit, go to the tail end of any freaking black belt magazine. There's plenty of organizations out there that you get a membership, and you pay them whatever the fee is, and they'll do up a certificate for you in whatever black belt rank, in whatever style you want to put in a frame and impress your friends with. No, but I want the one in, well, the second option, and I'm not condoning this, but the second option is to do what a bunch of other people did and just find a, a fairly clear picture of a rank certificate, right? Digitally photocopy it, know which section to blank out, and then do your best at writing your name in Kana in there and the date in the correct format over in this little corner um, and call it a day. People have done that too. Right? Shit, you don't have to work nearly as hard to get rank. Right? Because I remember way back in, man, early 80s, Hatsumi Sensei had brought 
I think Nagato sent saying and somebody oh yeah I was at that seminar holy shit I just didn't go to the dinner because um, I wasn't in the group at that point right um, I was at dinner and there was this guy uh, I was talking to Nagato sensei about man I just uh, what it really came down to was something akin to I'd give my left testicle you know to be a black belt and and needed to right and um, Nagato sensei flipped over a drink coaster and wrote out a certificate on him and said there you go now you're a shoda. Right. This guy, this guy wrote a whole article in Black Belt magazine, right? About like this honor and oh my God and oh, whatever. He must have seen great things. Dude, he flipped over a piece of paper that's used to keep a table from getting wet. It's a decorated piece of scrap paper. He flipped it over and wrote out a certificate on it and gave it to you. Okay. Well, think about it any way you want. And he obviously did. I mean, he made a big deal out of it. But most of us were like, holy shit, you're actually going to take that seriously. Right? So on one side of this paper or card-ish kind of thing, right, you've got Japanese writing that says you're a Shodan. And on the other side, it says what? Heineken? Right? Budweiser? Whatever. I mean... That's going to be taken, the number of things that people take seriously just, well, it doesn't astonish me anymore. Anyway, so, all right, did Richard um, clarify or was it good? Are we, are we okay? Uh, he hasn't said either way. Um, uh, probably put him to sleep. <laughs> He's just drone on and on and on. Anyway. Uh, any other questions? Uh, Phil Jones just asked if there's any updates on Dakomi Usai. Uh, no, I actually got thrown off uh, a couple of days. I apologize. My mom had a false alarm. We thought she was having a heart attack, and uh, I actually had to rearrange classes and all that. And on top of that, we had um, parades. And my, my schedule just got thrown off. So this week, that stuff will be coming out. So. Um, if there are any topics or um, uh, lessons or whatever, right, um, since you're going to be there that you would like to learn, send an email, right, because if I can fit it in, I'll do that. And that's open to anybody. The caveat is you better show up or either live or, or um, virtual because I'm not just taking suggestions from people to tailor a personalized training event from people that have no freaking intention of showing up anyway. Right? So, uh, that's it? Richard just said yes, sir. So, I, I take it that means that he's good. Okay. All right. That was more than I ever thought I wanted to know. <laughs> It is what it is. Uh, I don't think anybody should ever have to wonder what my opinion is about things. Especially if you're coming to me for training. Unless I specifically tell you that we're working on Ninja no Uge, in which case you better be paying attention and be really good at reverse engineering lessons.
Actually, there's plenty that people don't know. But not about the training. I'm very transparent about that. I'm also transparent about things that are about me that you don't need to know in the context of a teacher-student relationship. I'm not here to be anybody's best buddy. Kind of defeats the purpose. I'll be your buddy, but I'm not going to be your best buddy. <laughs> anyway, what else? Richard just asked, do you notify the class when it's time to test? I don't notify the class. We uh, Up to this point, we notify people individually. Um, James and I are actually going through a series of meetings and whatnot to um, to make some changes. And one of those things is to put some more automation in place. And one of those things that we're going to be automating is because up to this point, we've kind of just done it personally with students and people have been able to sidestep things and whatever. Right. So what we're going to be doing is automating a series of emails based on the same kind of timing that we use at the academy for people to be moving through. Now, if you accelerate and you move through um, things faster and you pass your test and things like that, then things would get out of sync, right? Because, right, you're ahead of the game, right? And that tends to happen sometimes, and then other times you need more time because of the tactic or the strategy or something computing or not computing well for the student. But what we want to do is keep people on track at a consistent rate, right, a consistent pace. So uh, what the automated emails will do is it's not depersonalizing anything. It's just so that we don't drop the ball on our end. Right. So that once somebody signs up into a program, then uh, and the cool thing is that the system that we have is for any person that we sign up into something, we can click a little button that actually for that person has it start. They can either start fresh because they're brand new at it or if they've been training for a while, like my, a lot of my guys that are now grandfathered into things. Right. We'll have to click that it starts right, where they are rank-wise plus the next one, right? So, James, you know what I'm talking about, right? Just the, the timing and the syncing of when things go out, right? Um, so we can tell we can tell the system to start with email 27 instead of email 1 kind of thing, right? So then what will happen is every eight weeks or every two months, uh, actually, I think we're going to set it up so that it'll happen every month. So there's a we try to do a promotion to belts every two to three months, right? But monthly, we try to do a skill review. So the other thing people ever pay for, because what's included in the in the online training program um, is regular reviews, right? Let me see what, what that's looking like. Let me get some feedback. Let me make sure you're on the right track kind of thing. That's included, right? If you're going for rank, there's a cost to that because that has to be sent to Japan and processed. And there's, you know, we have to create a, a certificate on our end, get one from Japan, belt, all that kind of stuff, right? So there's a cost to that. Um, so testing every two to three months, but there's interim reviews, right? So there'd be a review video or a review uh, message going out let's say on month, first month after you join. So on month two, right, or at the end of the first month that you've, you've just um, gotten into the program, 
And then somewhere in the middle, beginning middle to middle of the testing month, one will go out as a reminder with the little outline and all that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, and once we switch to Zoom, once we switch to Zoom, then I will probably be doing it just like I do it at the Academy, right? There'll be a block of people that will be scheduled at a certain day and time, will be on, and I'll say, show me Kotori Yuseigan no Kamae. Show me Gyokoryu Ichimonji no Kamae, right? Show me a forward shoulder roll right side from whatever defensive profiled Kamae, uh, Ichimonji, Seigan, Doko, whatever, um, that you prefer. I don't care which one. Show that, right? Um, so it'll, it'll be more live and interactive that way, just like I do it at the Academy, right? Excuse me. Um, so, Yes, there will be those automated kind of things, right? Um, but again, going into 2023, I'm making these little changes because um, I want to make sure that students are seeing regular ongoing progress, okay? Pretty simple, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of – I don't watch I, – I don't, I don't check in on a lot of these things, right? I'm not a who's my competitor kind of person, right? In our model, in our, I'm going to use the word business, so don't freak out, right? In our dojo curriculum model, in our belief system in the warrior concepts realm, right? I do not believe that other martial arts styles, other martial arts schools, other martial arts instructors, whether they're outside or inside this art or whatever, are my competition, okay? That doesn't mean I don't have any, right? My competition is the Xbox or the Switch or uh, Netflix or whatever habits, YouTube, whatever, right? Um, people can slip into that keep them from coming to class, training regularly, practicing and developing their skills, and knocking them off track. That's our competition not other schools. If somebody is attracted to that thing, they think they can get the, what they're looking for from that, uh, that teacher, student style, or teacher school style, whatever, more power to them, right? My, my thing is that a student gets what they're looking for. Now, it also suggests that maybe either there's a, there's a problem with the way we communicate things. Um, and so somehow I ended up attracting somebody that really wasn't a good fit for us, or they weren't seeing not regular consistent value, they weren't seeing value along the lines of, again, the, the problem that they were trying to solve, right? I, I see this stuff as a solution to a problem, right? So what's the problem, right? Uh, and then conveying things in a way where I'm segregating people. Not in a racial way either, okay? Um, where I'm, I'm making sure that we're attracting people that this is definitely for and it's a good fit for, and we're repelling people that it's not going to be a good fit for, personality-wise or you know, you know whatever, right? They're, they're just that's not it's not their cup of tea. So anyway, so yes, there's a regular ongoing. I mean, right now we do it manually but there's a regular ongoing uh, kind of thing. Like I've, I've got one guy in Michigan, Michael, 
um, that is, works works through his stuff. He's on the weekly uh, coaching calls. He asks questions as necessary, takes things, and then when he's ready, um, he puts up a series of um, videos, uploads them for me, sends me an email with the links. I take a look at those. If there's something else I need to see, I let him know. Um, you know, and we just we go on uh, that way. In all honesty, 80 to 90 percent of the people that are in the program right now are so not rank oriented that they're not even scheduling for reviews. Okay. So I must be doing a really good job of um, of explaining things in a way that I'm attracting those folks, but we're going to need to make some tweaks to reframe ranking for that mindset so that they're not missing anything or they're not bottlenecking, right? And because they're, they just want to learn everything, but things aren't being learned in a, in a, in a logical order with prerequisites so that they can really get a handle on the on the skill set and the power that that's inherent um, at, at different levels if that makes sense I mean I, I know that you understand English I'm talking about the, the logic right so this is to me this is what a teacher does right they don't they're not just uh, and I think this is what a lot of people miss too right they're really good technicians they're really good with skill sets but they make lousy communicators and they're not student centric Yes, I know. They like their students and they want to make sure their students learn the skills correctly, but they never bother to learn anything like learning types and how you communicate that way. Um, they're always going to pass things on the way they learned it, right, regardless of whether their teacher was a good teacher or not. I'm not saying they weren't a skilled practitioner, right, but just because I learned it, um, I mean, my first teacher, years into things, right, admitted that the way things were structured when I went through, he was lucky. He felt lucky that so many of us had attained to a skill um, where we were teachers and all that. And of course, this was discussed, you know, in private in the teachers group. Um, and that's why we were trying to fix things, right? Because a lot of people end up getting confused or a lot of people felt like they were left behind or whatever. And so, and these were good, well-meaning students, right? That we just lost because of the presentation format or whatever, right? So we're always looking to make sure that people are getting what they need. And any teacher should be doing things in a way so that their students learn it and develop the skill sets faster than it took them. This generation has it easy. I freaking hope so. Every generation should be learning how to do things better. Now, if you're cheating and shortcutting the, the process, right? So you're getting ranked faster, but you're not getting the skill sets faster. That's a completely different thing, right? But um, I want people to not have to struggle nearly as much as I did. Yes, there's work involved. Yes, there's struggle involved. Yes, 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 right? But not because I'm keeping a thumb on your forehead and keeping you down. Right. Or this is the way I learned it. So, damn it, if it was good enough for me, good enough for my teacher. And who said they were good teachers just because they had the title of teacher? And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm, I'm, what I'm suggesting is that to teach 
effectively as a teacher, as a communicator, right, is a whole different skill set than the martial skills that the student learns, right? How do you convey an onikudaki? How do you pre-frame it or reframe it for people that look at it and go, oof, man, that looks really complicated. I don't think I can learn that. Right? Or they think they know it, but they keep making the same mistake. So how do we use a framework that takes them away? You know, they're going to be really defensive, right? Because you called them out on, on a problem area, right? So immediately psychological walls go up, right? Whether they mean to or not, right? So how do I do it in a way that temporarily distracts them away from the correction that I need to make and how that process will work? Slide in the correction and then recognize the effort or the, the improvement afterwards, right? It's all come out of, you know, fairly modern uh, communication methods and the skill sets necessary to market and maintain an operational dojo long term, completely different from the teacher's skills and from the technician's skills. Very different. Okay. This is what I've learned as I've moved. I've had to add and and learn new skill sets. Right? So that I could have a school that would weather an eight month shutdown through a goddamn pandemic that ruined a whole bunch of people. Right? While we were watching people scramble to figure out how to use Zoom to run classes. We have been doing online classes either as audio kind of things or, uh, you know, video or whatever for shit. How long? Years. Right. So adapt or die. It's the law of evolution, right? Adapt or die. Right. And anyway, so and it's amazing how many people you know, who before the pandemic knew the right way to do things and then ended up having to adapt or let their skill sets fall to nothing, right? Because this damn pandemic is a reason I can't train. No, your belief system is a reason you can't train. Your character traits are the reason you can't train. Think about ancient Japan, Right? There was this system, as a matter of fact, Stephen Hayes uh, named uh, one of his first dojos, the Kasumi-an. Kasumi is a play on words, right, because it means haze or fog, right? Um, his name was Hayes, get it, right? But an on is a retreat, and it directly pointed, because most of us weren't local, right? Most of us flew in or traveled in or whatever for seminars or private training or whatever, but an on was a retreat. It was a place in ancient Japan where ancient, where warriors could get away from the, from the everyday grind and the turmoil and all that kind of stuff to train one on one for a day or three with a teacher or just to get away and to go into retreat, right? Meditate, spend some decompression time, practice some skills. I mean, if they, if they trained one on one with a teacher, it was not long-term like things are today. The dojo concept is fairly freaking new, right? Um, so 
they would train with a teacher. That teacher, during those one to three days, might only taught them one technique. And then they went back into their lives, and it was their responsibility to practice, right? So this whole idea of distance training, only giving with your teacher every once in a while or whatever, people are like, yeah, that's not the way it's always been done. Uh, Bubba, I think you need to do some more historical research because whatever you think is traditional historical is bullshit, right? To most people, tradition, right, or the right way to do things is what it looked like when they first joined. And they just make the assumption that that's the way it's always been. And sorry or not sorry, but they're wrong. Okay. Anyway. Any other questions, comments, complaints? No, sir. Sensei, you're full of caca. I went earlier today. I'm good. <laughs> Besides that, I have blue eyes, which means it can only get to about here, right? No offense to all my brown eye friends. Last call. Questions, comments? A lot of people have been convinced that there's like no testing in the Bujinkan and all that. Okay. Um, not at Hombu, but there were teachers that had standards, curriculum and whatnot. Right? And here's the question. How do you get where you're going if you don't know where you are? Other than well, this number is attached to this piece of cloth that I wear around my waist. That, that, that says nothing about where you are. Okay? Saying somebody, somebody saying that they're a Shodan, Nidan, Hachidan, whatever, means absolutely nothing outside of the context of comparing it to other people's numbers. Right? Or the, the structure. Well, there's 10 ranks, so I'm, right. But what does that mean? What does that number mean? What skill sets do you own? What can I presuppose that you've already learned and you're really freaking good at so we can do the next thing? What does it mean? Well, every time I ask that question, I get I hear crickets. Right? So tis what it is. All right. Anything else? No, sir. Nope. All right. So, uh, gut space. Uh, like I said, by by the end of the week here, we'll have more uh, more final details for those of you that are on the fence about that homeo side. That homeo side. I know most most Bujinkan, uh groups and whatnot do their homeo side, um, give or take somewhere between right, right around Hatsumi's birthday, right? Um, and then they complain because like number of students have dwindled. Well, shit, the number of high-ranking teachers doing daikomyo side, right, over the decades have bloomed, right? So, what, everybody's fighting for the same students, right? Um, I just wasn't playing that game, and it was, it's, it's right between Western holidays, and it's just whatever, right? So, we just moved it a little bit, right, a couple of weeks into the beginning of the new year. So, now, it's Still, you know, honoring Hatsumi Sensei, just not at his birthday, right? 
that Komio side, great cosmic light. Right? It was just a kind of reference to him because he was the you know, source of the light and enlightenment and wisdom and all that stuff that we were seeking. Right. So it doesn't really freaking matter when it's done. Right. Um, but it moves into the new year. So now it becomes this this central focal point for students to review where they've where they've been right up to this point and to get kind of focused on the next couple of weeks and months right for progress so uh ours this year 2023 is january 6th 7th and 8th right um the sixth is a friday um, so we have a we have a late evening thing. People who come in for that uh, are welcome to jump into the classes that are going on at the dojo normally before that happens. Um, it just there's no extra cost to that if you're coming in for Daikomio side from five to seven thirty, right? You can train um, in whatever whatever we're doing normally, right? And then there's an eight to ten late evening kind of thing for people who can make it in. Um, so kind of an early start for folks and then 9 a.m. Saturday morning things, you know, are really jazzing in. Some people can only make it for a day. Some of my local guys uh, can only make it for a session. So they do like a morning or an afternoon. You know, I get it. Work schedules and all that kind of stuff. Um, this there'll, there'll be a virtual option on this one. I don't know moving forward if we're going to keep doing the virtual options. Um, I mean, they're very, very helpful for the one or three people that that do it. Um, but We'll, we'll see. Um, but anyway, um, so and I think uh, this year I, I didn't do it um, in, in the past ones, but we're going to get back onto a tradition that started with one of my previous teachers. And we're going to we're going to keep it going. Um, so we will be doing a New Year's Goma uh, fire ceremony, which is actually taken from and altered a little bit, but it's taken from the fourth level of uh, practice and progress in Mikyo. For, uh, normally, it's for burning uh, away finer and finer, uh, smaller and smaller impurities and things like that to, to get to that, um, what in Sanskrit is called Anatara Samyaksam Bodhi, which is full and complete enlightenment kind of thing, right? But there are these... Uh, seven stages, nine stages in the Goma. Um, but either way, we borrow it as an active meditation, right, uh, as a goal setting kind of thing. Just something about going through the process and watching it physically happening. Uh, it's a guided meditation. Uh, more of my students have accomplished big-ass goals doing that thing than they had doing New Year's resolutions and um, standard goal uh, attainment kind of thing, right? So go through the process um, so that they can actually physically see themselves symbolically producing the outcome ahead of time, right? Uh, it just it it just gives folks that emotional charge and that that and it it here's a play on words, right? It burns it into their friggin' memory, right? It's a fire zone already, right? But it burns it into their memory. Um, it just it becomes this constant reminder. They went through this cool thing. And it was something that I did a lot coming up through of something that my teacher had pulled in. Um, one of my teachers had pulled in. And it was something that we looked forward to and something that just helped to create 
major, major results, right? Because most people focus on this is the thing I want, but they don't mentally go through the process that looks at the steps necessary, the impediments that can get in the way, right? And actively, intentionally acknowledging and acting out symbolically, acting out the doing and the destroying um, of these things that need to be done and need to be taken care of so that the thing can re uh, be realized. So um, for this one coming up, we're, we're going to restart this, this tradition. So uh, it'll be a whole thing. So if you can make it in, great. If you jump on the virtual thing, you'll be able to do it virtually. There's a process we'll have in place uh, that you can do it. Um, you'll be able to watch it and, and go through it. I'll have to do uh, a couple of pieces actively for you um, unless, you know, you set things up on your end, but it's kind of difficult to set it up. Uh, but anyway, right? Um, so it'll be, it'll be a cool thing. And uh, uh, Phil, Phil Jones is already coming in for it. Um, the, the guys, I'm thinking about the guys that are on now. A bunch of my local guys are already signed up for it, obviously. Um, so anyway, it'll be good. James won't be there. He, he avoids everything. <laughs> uh, I jest, right? All right. So is that it? No other questions, comments, complaints? No? Uh, Richard just threw out that a problem he might have is doing rolls and breakfalls due to limited space. Limited space where? Like at his home? Okay, guys, I understand that you have limitations, but as long as our head is tuned to, I will have a problem doing without the next, the other half of that, so I have to find a way to, you're never going to think like a ninja. You're never going to think like a high-level warrior. Warriors are decisive people and they're problem solvers. And this is not about Richard. This is, I, I, we get these things all the time. Okay. I promise you, no one can come up with a problem that I didn't face. And if I could do it, you can do it. Okay. You may not be able to do it where it's comfortable and easy. Right. As a matter of fact, um, one of the things we're working into the new iteration of the uh, our online program is uh, we're going to teach people how to create a dojo space where they don't have a dojo space. These are lessons that my guys got after they joined, but we're going to lead with that. Like, here's a whole micro training. Here's how to create your dojo, right? Symbols and all that kind of stuff. Even if you don't have the space because you have furniture and all that kind of stuff and, and, you know, honey won't like it if and all that kind of stuff, right? Because everybody has, everybody has problems that get in the way, right? I don't, my first wife did not understand this at all, right? Just did not understand it, okay? And to her, I was taking time away from family, and I was spending money that ultimately she wanted to be able to spend, but I was spending money that, uh, you know, we supposedly didn't have, and, you know, uh, why did I need to learn this stuff, and whatever. So I had to, I had to be able to explain that stuff. And in certain cases, like, 
one of my teachers actually had a conversation with her. And it wasn't like, you better let him. Nothing like that, right? But that explanation stuck with me and turned into a script. I give that to my students now. Say this. And, like, it works like a charm. I've never had a student come back and go, didn't work. Right? It, it was such a this magical thing that, I mean, I didn't know how to do it. And he sat, sat down and said, look, you know, here's X, Y, Z. You know, if you really want him to do this, da-da-da-da, right, um, whatever. But, you know, here's, here's the thing, right? Here's what you're getting out of it, right? Um, she still didn't understand the allure afterwards, but, like, 95% of the resistance just vaporized. So I'm going to work that up as a, as a script and give it to everybody, right, instead of me just, like, telling somebody what to say, right, one-on-one. -on -one. Right? That's going to be a, a micro-training in the new iteration because it's a problem that people have. Honey won't let me. I don't have the time. That's a problem that people have. How do you create time? Okay. These are all Kuji things. Right? Influencing the thoughts of others is a Kuji level. Okay? Breaking the bonds of time and space, a Kuji level. Okay? So, but as long as people keep thinking about the, that shit in woo-woo terms, they're never going to produce practical results. Okay. Cool stuff. Right? I have, I have ailments. I have whatever. Right? Healing self and others. That's a Kuji level. Anyway. All right. Are we good? Anything else? Sensei Golem says four square feet is good for breakfalls. Four square feet. You know, that's only a two by two space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I promise you that if you have a finite, you have a really small area to train in, you will learn your rolling and your breakfalls way better than people that have a big open dojo. You will have to learn how to break not brake, right? I mean, put on the brakes so you don't run into something, right? You'll learn to bump. You'll learn to bump into things and then change direction, right? Um, you'll learn how to do all kinds of really cool things that the average person will not, or it'll take longer for them to get there because they don't have that constraint. They don't have that problem, but they'll have that problem if they get knocked into a freaking down in an alley next to a big ass dumpster. And then there's a brick wall and stuff like that, and they just don't have that kind of space. I don't think people understand that from a ninja's perspective, constraints, challenges, and limitations are things to be prayed for and to be thankful for because they force you to be better than people that train in big-ass comfort zones. My cops have reasons to train and accelerate the training way faster than everybody else that can just take their time because, you know, they don't have an imperative need. How the hell do you know? How do you know when you're going to be attacked? How do you know what you're going to need? I had a guy one time we were discussing firearms. And, um, uh, you know, he really enjoyed things and whatever. And he was talking about a specific type. 
you can probably guess because I'll tell you it's been in the news. It's highly politicized. There's a ton of misinformation running around. Like AR does not mean automatic rifle, right? <laughs> it was the company name. <laughs> anyway, right? So um, he said, I, I really don't, I don't really don't need one of these. I said, how the hell do you know what you'll need when an attack manifests? I mean, if you already know what you're going to need and what you don't need, you already have a freaking ESP skill that should make you unattackable because you'll already know who, what, where, when, and how. Why the hell do you need anything? Right? I really don't need How do you know? Right? But I would challenge everybody, right, to, like, all beliefs are challengeable until you find and see, I, I have a mentor that says, um, we challenge all of our beliefs except those that we actually, like, hold, like, it's a hard, fast, this is a given, right? And we don't challenge those at all. But see, to me, they're not beliefs because there's a difference between a belief and uh, something that you know, right? Something that you know. Um, here, here's something we'll wrap this up with. Let's see what this yeah I use this why not okay so um, and James you'll keep track of people and uh, you can not answer but that's just cheating because you're not willing to commit okay that's a whole different character trait right so uh, I have a packet with a lens wipe right a lens cleaning wipe in the palm of my hand who believes me you can uh, post something like, I don't know, a heart or a check or me or whatever. Okay. Who believes me? Anybody saying yes, James? Not yet. Got anybody saying no? Well, Phil just says I do. Okay. No, you don't. Next. <laughs> um, no, you, you believe me. Okay. Okay. People will believe me or not believe me, not because they know anything about what's in the palm of my hand, but because of whether they trust me to be honest with them or they think I might be tricking them. Right? And some people are just not willing to commit. And then later they'll go, well, I, I thought that was right. Right. Or I thought he was wrong. Whatever. Right. So it's it's just bullshit stuff. Right. So anyway, so let's do it again. Okay. This is not a trick, okay? So we're not doing anything like, well, in the grand scheme of the universe, you could call that anything else, okay? Now hold it this way, right? I have an alcohol swab packet, lens wipe, right, in the palm of my hand, okay? No tricks. This is my palm. We're not playing like, you know, guru stuff, right? And this is a packet, right? And you can see it. It says alcohol swab, right? Lens wipe, right? Okay? In the palm of my hand. Who believes me? I don't care if you answer yes, no, or not. Right? If you're thinking it in your head that yes, you believe me, you are wrong. You don't believe me. I'm going to ask again. I have a lens wipe pack, alcohol swab pack, in the palm of my hand. Who believes me? If your head is still thinking, yes, you believe me, or no, you don't believe me, or whatever, right, okay, you're wrong. 
Can you see it? Do you know it's there? Belief doesn't exist. Belief is something you hold in the absence of evidence that helps you navigate an area that you have to navigate, but you don't have any hard, solid evidence about that. So you need beliefs to get you through certain areas, right? This is knowledge. Don't confuse the two. That's like that's what it's like to train with me on a regular basis. <laughs> and that's some. <laughs> right? It's something that simple. Well, I call it beliefs. I don't give a shit what you call it. Okay? But if you hold something to be true in the in the absence of facts or evidence, I don't care what you call it, I don't care if you call it I don't care if you call it Fred's dog. Okay? It's not the same as knowing something to be actually true. Empirical evidence, scientific mind. It's part of the enlightened paradigm on the mandala. You don't have to believe in that either. You don't have to, shit, you don't have to believe in gravity. But if I sweep your legs, what gravity does... <laughs> Still don't believe in gravity. I don't give a shit. How you feeling? Okay. <laughs> right? Don't confuse beliefs with knowledge. Okay? With truth. Right? Truth is what is whether you buy it or not. Okay? Just like we can't confuse information with knowledge with wisdom. They're three completely different things. Wisdom is dependent on the previous two. Knowledge is dependent on information. Information is just information. Somebody told me that Sensei Miller, um, you know, whatever. Great. You have information that somebody passed on, but is it true? Is it factual? Is it? Right? Anyway. A teacher once told me that Mushadori meant, okay, did you bother looking up the kanji? Or are you just running your training based on what other people tell you? <clears throat> anyway, all right. I don't want to slip into another topic because I promise none unless there were questions. So we should probably wrap this up if there's nothing else. Is there anything else? Uh, Sensei Golem said, just said, but gravity believes in them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It always count on John in class. <laughs> John's, John's my oldest student, uh, longest training student. Uh, after I set up, after getting out of the military, uh, and of the students before that, I have no idea where they are, so I can't even count them. Uh, they started before him, but John's been around since, um, the proverbial God made dirt kind of thing. Um, but John's always been like the comic relief for the dojo. He once had a t-shirt that he wore in class that people would get really close to look, and in parentheses, it just said introvert. Right? So, 
So anyway, cool stuff. And thanks for the new T-shirt, John. Um, we're going to figure out how uh, we're, we're starting a new uh, an online store that's going to have um, oh, we've got everything from coffee mugs to uh, to our training T-shirts to a bunch of new styles and all that stuff uh, that people will be able to go on and, and just order and um, we'll have a, a kind of a, a standard offering. And then what we're looking at also doing is like a T-shirt of the month kind of thing that'll be a very short run out of a series kind of thing. So um, that, you know, you either get it or you don't, and it'll be kind of a collector's thing. So John's been around so long that he and I had the same idea of like taking old training T-shirts that we still have. I have my first one all the way back from the Shadows of Ega era. Um, it doesn't fit anymore, not because I got bigger, but because of the material that was made out of. Over time, it just kept getting smaller and smaller. And at this point, I don't, I don't want to put it on. Not that we couldn't stretch it back out into, into shape or whatever, but um, these things start to, like, get threadbare and, and whatnot. So uh, really cool stuff. We were just uh, a couple of classes ago reminiscing about different uh, different uh, designs on shirts and the symbolic meaning in some of these things. Like I said, they had done artwork. Um, it was an eggplant that was designed like a person meditating, but it was also the nin symbol, right? It's a really cool thing, right? And so here's this cool thing, right? Seeing somebody meditate and whatever and hidden, hidden. What people didn't understand also was the theme for the training uh, that year, or at least that year's training for where we were, Right was on uh, part of the Kuji and the healing part and the uh, eggplant. Right in Japan um, has a lot of medicinal purposes. Right and is a symbol of healing and, and stuff like that. So it was this really cool thing that it was like this image hidden within an image, and then there was this backside uh, kind of uh, symbol to it as well. Really cool stuff. So anyway, all right. Anything else other than John's humor? Poking no, sir. Okay, cool beans. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I was hoping to have a friend on next week. Uh, we're probably, let's see, what are we doing him? Um, that's has to be held off until after the 13th of November. Uh, 14th, I think, uh, November 14th. I'm going to have my friend Will Mayer on as long as everything works out. Uh, and I'm also looking at another date. Uh, for another friend of mine, for those of you who know Matt Woodard, um, he's another uh, former police officer and uh, stunt bodyguard work and all that kind of stuff. So uh, can't wait to have these guys on because we're going to be we're going to be talking about uh, training, what students need to focus on. We're going to be talking about um, uh, things that we think are missing or things that change that that kind of have things a little bit skewed. Uh, a lot of laughter. And we're also going to be reminiscing about, uh, you know, the good old days and whatnot um, and and those kind of things. So um, hopefully you guys will be able to make it for that because that that will be more than just listening to me and my perspective. Right. But it'll be a, a kind of a kind of a throwback to the first iteration of um, of Kuden um, where uh, my student, Eric White, it was a radio, I call him radio god, right? Radio personality. We, we did this thing like a morning talk show. So it'll be kind of like that, but I'm going to have uh, some other guest uh, host on. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm start, starting to line things up now. So uh, some folks that I'll have on uh, over time will be 
uh, like some of my students, uh, older students that are now black belts and, and teachers in their own right and stuff too. Um, so just just expanded perspectives uh, and things like that. So of course you'll still be able to ask questions uh, and whatnot, but um, yeah, so I'm gonna add that uh, as a, uh, I don't know, it'll be every week, probably not, but as I can get folks to, to commit to things and whatnot, uh, I think it'll be a, another cool dynamic element uh, to the uh, to the podcast. So that'd be cool. All right. So uh, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up. I will talk to everyone again next week on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.